Hello everyone. This episode of the podcast features Dominique Frost. She is a former candidate for state representative turned insurance agent. It's a long story. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Coffee Ride, which mixes ethical with sustainable in a beautiful symbiotic relationship. I know, it seems unheard of, but they think about everything when it comes to working with our planet. Their bags are biodegradable. Their farmers are paid well and local. And one goal is to be able to ride their coffee to each home in order to avoid the use of gasoline or cars in general. These are some of the many reasons I choose to make delicious cold brew from their exotic flavors, such as their Ethiopian blend, which includes notes of strawberry, white grape, creamsicle, and jasmine. Oh, do us all a favor and order from this local company at thecoffeeride.com. That's T-H-E-C-O-F-F-E-E-R-I-D-E dot com. And receive a 20% discount at checkout with the code ROMERA. That's R-O-M-E-R-A. We're also brought to you by Semper Savage. Semper Savage has done the work for you when it comes to making a salad dressing. Too much sugar and salt in your Italian dressing and nowhere else to turn for a dressing that makes sense and tastes great? No worries. There's no added sugar or salt in Semper Savage dressings. These dressings can be used for marinating meat, veggies, or poured directly on top of whatever you wish to consume with a burst of natural flavors. I love it. I personally like to marinate my pork tenderloins in their Italian dressing. Sometimes I'll pour it on salad with some fresh Parmesan to give it that salty kick, but oh naturel. And the feeling of relief I get is almost indescribable. I didn't have to make this. It tastes great. Now I can enjoy the rest of my day. And so can you. When you use code Romero Records, that's R-O-M-E-R-A-R-E-C-O-R-D-S at checkout at SemperSavage.com. That's S-E-M-P-E-R-S-A-V-A-G-E dot com. We are also brought to you by FNX, formulated by athletes for athletes. You can expect FNX to fill your shelves with high-quality third-party tested supplements. They sell CBD oil, BCAAs, creatine multivitamins, weight protein, and much, much more at their website, fnxfit.com. That's fnxfit.com. Use code SUPAHENDO15. That's S-U-P-A-H-E-N-D-O-1-5 to get 15% off your order at checkout. Don't forget that for every item purchased, a gallon of water is donated. How sweet. We are also brought to you by Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon is a protein-packed cereal with zero sugars, zero grains, and get this, three grams net carbs. What? Cereal is a favorite for most of America. Hey, right here. And with Magic Spoon, you can feel much better about feeding your kids this tasty treat in the morning or providing it at any time they feel the need to snack on something sweet and delicious. Use code HENDOSAVES, that's H-E-N-D-O, S-A-V-E-S at magicspoon.com. That's M-A-G-I-C-S-P-O-O-N.com. And check out all the new flavors they have in stock. That's another thing I like about this company. They ask the people what they want to see on their shelves. You wanted nutty flavors? They gave you honey nut and peanut butter. You wanted a better cinnamon flavor? 
they switched up their recipe. What? I've never seen such a responsive company. And with that, I remind you to use code HENDOSAVES at magicspoon.com. Welcome to America's Podcast. Today we have on... Dominique Frost. How's it going, Dominique? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. So uh, you are the first political person I've ever had on, and uh, I'm very interested to learn some stuff about politics, and especially local stuff, being as in I've only been here for about a year. So it's, it's going to be really interesting just to get your take on you know, how, how your run went and how running for a political office is, you know, in, even in the city of Memphis or even in, you know, being, being who you are, just, you know, how you grew up and all that kind of stuff. So let's, let's get into it. And uh, I guess just well, tell everybody about I'm, yourself. Yeah. So, um, I'm born and right. I was born and raised in Memphis. I'm a true blue Memphian. I went to, um, School in North Memphis, born and raised in North Memphis. And that's just, uh, if folks don't know, uh, Memphis has different areas. And North Memphis is a high poverty area here locally. Um, I then went to Tennessee State University and received my bachelor's degree in marketing and business. And I came back home after graduating from TSU and, you know, started my professional career and, you know, worked at different organizations, and became very interested in philanthropy. So I started a nonprofit called D-Up Unlimited Incorporated, and I got involved in different organizations here locally in Memphis and and became interested in politics here locally, knowing that the only way to kind of create change is through civic engagement. And so um, I would do different community events, Um, raise money for back-to-school bashes, that sort of thing. And that gained uh, a lot of attention uh, to different um, um, organizations. And people began began to know me as Dominique, uh, the community organizer, (laughs) or Dominique, the girl that does back-to-school bashes with uh, NBA and NBA athletes. And so um, I've, I've kind of created a brand for myself over the years here. So when you talk about politics and my recent run for office, and for those who don't know, I just ran um, in the state primary here in Tennessee uh, for State House Representative District 86. And that election day was August 6th. And we're here maybe three weeks later from the post-election having an interview. And I appreciate you having me on. Um, So... I can just say that uh, Dominique Frost is a woman that cares about her community and she wants to see change in Memphis and not only in Memphis, but across the country. Um, The Democratic Party is working hard to create change and, um, you know, it's a lot of influence on both sides. (laughs) And uh, with the uh, election coming up, we all want people to get registered to vote and whether you're going to vote um, one way or the other. You know, I just really am for people getting registered to vote and exercising their right to vote. Um, Of course, I don't want you to vote um, 
in a different way, yeah, you know, other yeah. than the, other than uh, Democratic. But, um, of course, um, we can all agree to disagree. You know, that's the power of voting. You get to choose. And so um, I, I really would like people to just get more civically engaged. And that's really that has always been my uh, mission. So uh, people who probably know me, I have zero political uh, bias. I'm very unbiased when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm the type of person, I just vote for whoever I like. And okay. I was just telling Dominique, uh, one person I've never voted, didn't have him get registered to vote. Yes, j- your jaws are dropped. But <laughs> um, Rick Santorum was one guy I really wanted to vote for. A lot of people probably don't even know who he is, but I just I just liked who he was. Okay. Um, so what is something that you would – or that you have been, like you were telling me earlier how a lot of people were like, well, I'm not voting. You know, they probably have that grumpy sound to them. You right. Know, what, what is something that you end up like telling those kind of people who are just against it? Well, I think those kind of folks are people who have lost hope. Mm. You know, they lost hope in the um, in uh, politics. They lost hope in uh, voting and they don't see why they need to vote. Or they're uneducated about it and they're just or they listen to the different theories and they don't educate themselves on on the power of voting. And I can make an example, you know, most recently, Kanye West, you know, he's running for office and he's attempting to get on every single ballot across the country right now as an independent. That's crazy. (laughs) And Yeah, it is crazy. But at the end of the day. He's educated enough on on the on civic engagement to know the power of a vote. Yeah, yeah. He's educated enough to know uh, how to get on the ballot, and he has the right folks around him to try to get it done. And so my thing is, if he's if he can educate himself enough to know the power of voting, then why can't other people? Yeah. And so, um, so that's just an example there that I just wanted to throw out there. Um, and so I think people, like I said, they've lost hope. And so if we could all come together and people say, Oh, well, and even the last presidential election, people were, didn't vote for Hillary. And the reason they didn't vote for Hillary was, Oh, well, it was either one of the two and Mm -hmm. I didn't vote for either one, you know, (laughs) or, you know, I've heard all kind of things or I didn't go vote because I didn't like either of the candidates. And so, um, as, um, as constituents and as, um, citizens here, we have to come together and you have to exercise your right to vote. And if, and if you have to, you know, um, and it's, and you know, my thing is it's not a lo- enough people voting. So I think I saw on your, your post, like it, you said something about 30,000 people in the area and then only 5,000 were registered or something like right. that. Right. Um, well, 30,000 people were registered in my district. Oh, registered. Okay. Were registered to vote means that they were able and eligible mm-hmm. to go vote and they did not exercise their right. Only 5,000 people out of that 30,000 actually exercised their right to vote in my election. Mm. And for me to look at that and look at those numbers, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's very low. Um, And it says that they don't care. And for me, you know, 
I worked very hard on the election. I worked very hard. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I worked very hard in this uh, primary. And, and you know, a part of my messaging and a part of, you know, the reason I said that I wanted to run is because I care. Mm-hmm. And for them not to care, <laughs> it was so discouraging, you know. And um, But I had to keep my head high. I had to remember that it's going to take time. And... I have to be the influencer. Mm -hmm. I have to be the one to say, look, this is not just for for um, for your next door neighbor. This is for generations of and generations of your children. You know, the decisions made today are going to affect your children and your great grandchildren. And so. Even when you talk about Social Security, you know, by the (laughs) in twenty. 37, we won't have Social Security. By the time you and I get 50 and 60, we won't even be able to draw that. And so those are the type of things that people need to know that this is very serious. COVID is just, when COVID hit, this is just an eye opener Mm -hmm. that you don't have control on of anything. And, um, And that the government does have the power to assist. You know, so if you uh, d- don't exercise your right to vote, then you won't be able to put the right leaders in charge that's going to be able to help our constituents that are in need. Yeah. yeah so already I, I've kind of grasped a different a different mindset on voting. Like you, when you were just talking about how, you know, it doesn't matter who you really vote for, just go out and do it. You know, I'm already thinking about how, the the change you also brought about you know things are always going to be the same like you know if you go to your favorite restaurant is i don't know like texas roadhouse Mm -hmm. and if they have something terrible on the menu but nobody you know nobody says anything then they're going to keep serving it because or you know some some people keep serving it and even though they're not really making money off of it but if if you don't speak up then nobody's going to really do anything about it. Right. You, you know. have to exercise your voice. Yeah. And your voice is um will not be heard if you don't if you don't know what civic engagement is. Yeah. For instance, I'll give you a prime example. And this is just just for folks our age or people that that have homes, homeowners, okay? You you care in neighborhood associations and those sort of things. And you know, if you have a pothole in your street on your way home and you hit this pothole every single day <laughs> and every day you're going home from work and you're on the phone with your girlfriend and you're saying, damn, you know, babe, I hit this pothole. I'm sick of this pothole every single day. And you don't know the the protocol and how to get that fixed. But you and you don't exercise your right to vote. If you don't know who your leader is, then it's your fault. Mm. You pay your taxes, you need to know what civic engagement is. What you would need to do as a homeowner and in the, living in that neighborhood, you would need to call your local leader, whether it's a commissioner, a city councilman, hold them accountable. Mm. And, you know, when I'm elected, because I will run for this seat again, I want my constituents to hold me accountable. If you don't write me, how will I know? That's very true. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't call my office and tell me, "Hey, Dominique Frost, I got this problem," you know, grass needs to be cut, code enforcement needs to be called, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you need to know that um, that signing petitions and uh, or community organizing is important. 
And, um, you know, that's how you get things done. And nothing against the protesters, you know, nothing against folks that are protesting. But it was a lot of folks that went protesting here in Memphis. Mm. Black Lives Matter. And it's a great chapter here. But I guarantee you, all of those folks down there protesting did not go vote. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's probably. And so so if you're going to spend your energy complaining about and saying, oh, this needs to happen and, and, you know, huffing and puffing and doing all this up and organizing, then people need to step up, get registered to vote, use your civic. The best thing I can say is work smart, not hard. Mm. You know what I mean? Go and exercise and stop complaining and, you know, get civically engaged. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing that I've always thought about is like that scenario you were talking about is, mm-hmm. you know, just getting the people that we vote in to make sure that they're working for us. I mean, we're paying the taxes mm-hmm. and I, I would guarantee you the majority of people don't know that protocol. Like mm-hmm. they're probably still hitting that pothole and not and not saying anything. Right. So I, that's you some, have to do the work for for your leader to do the work. Yeah. And um, and so and so like for me. I vote all the time. I, it's people who don't vote, they don't get letters in the mail. They don't get notifications. <laughs> they don't know what's going on. Like, since I vote all the time, I always get things in the mail, hmm. updates on what's, you know, town hall meetings. I get things in the mail that the someone who doesn't vote wouldn't get. Yeah. And so, uh, because their target is target marketing. Mm. And so... And, you know, you wouldn't know early voting was going on if you didn't if you hadn't voted in the last two voting cycles. And FYI, voting suppression is going on in Tennessee because they are purging people who haven't voted after two voting cycles, presidential voting cycles. If you haven't voted, um, I believe it's two or three, but they are purging people. This is new. Okay, before you can if you voted, if you registered to vote when you were 18, you were you're going to be registered to vote for the rest of your life. Wow. Now and now the law has changed. And that's what we call voter suppression. Mm-hmm. If you have not voted in a in the last couple of uh, presidential voting cycles, you have to re-register mm-hmm. and you have to vote. You know, they purge you. You, you can go vote and they'll say, hey, you're not registered to vote. <laughs> You oh. wouldn't even know because you've been purged. That's pretty crazy. I mean, is is that something that you feel like a lot of people are going through or is it more more like a smaller percentage? Well, I don't even think a lot of people are aware, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's been articles. It's been a lot of things. You know, it's, it's been articles written. It's been uh, publicized, you know, but if you, like I said, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have that type of uh, engagement, uh, you wouldn't know if you're not, if you're not engaged in what's going on politically. Yeah. So what were some things? That's what that was. My last podcast, I had a beep go off and it was that. We had no idea what that beep was. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, all right, sorry. But um, yeah, so what are some things that you were broadcasting out to people, some changes that you were trying to make within the area? Well, on a state level, um, I would have influence on um, creating law and, you know, not only creating law, but changing different laws uh, in legislation. And so... One of the things that I wanted to focus on was minimum wage in the state of Tennessee. 
which mm. is too low, is the same as federal minimum wage, and that's seven dollars and twenty-five cents. Mm. And in comparison to our uh, surrounding states, Mississippi is is at about nine dollars. Wow. Yes, and Arkansas <laughs> is Arkansas is is there too, if not more. Mm. And so Tennessee is behind in minimum wage, and the minimum the the minimum wage in Tennessee has been the same. For, since maybe 2007. And has it always been like the federal minimum wage? Well, yes. And it, and it has. And, and my thing is, um, but the cost of living keeps going up. Mm. And uh, for years, um, leaders have been trying to get minimum wage um, increased in the state of Tennessee and have not been able to get it done. And so that's something that I promised my constituents is that when I get elected, I'm going to focus on uh, minimum wage in the state of Tennessee because if, if literally, if you cannot provide for your family, if you cannot <laughs> um, afford living and be able to come home with at least uh, $800 a week, you're not going to be able to survive. Yeah. And so um, I would propose that state of Tennessee consider at least $15 an hour. Mm. Um, you know, some people say 20, but when you talk about um, what's possible and being able to, to actually get done, because mm. if it hadn't been able to get done in the last 15 years, then you have to be able to, you know, propose a propose a rate that'll be fair, you know, something that you can possibly get done. I think $15 was something that that can possibly get done um in Tennessee, but it's going to need it's it's not only going to need uh leaders fighting for it, it's going to need constituents fighting for it. Mm. And people are going to be able have to organize for it and and uh, be able to uh, know how to write to governor, <laughs> know how to demand things from the governor. How many people even know um, who Tennessee governor is, who are Tennessee, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, um, and so it's it's just crazy. And Governor Bill uh, Bill Lee, he is um, he is a Republican, um, but and it's been a lot of things during COVID that has really shown. Um, his true colors, mm -hmm. uh, some of the decisions that he's made as a leader um, through COVID that I've noticed um, has not necessarily been always for for the best interests of uh, my constituents. I wouldn't say um, for the state of Tennessee because, you know, but for the constituents that I represent or that I would represent, mm -hmm. he has not made some of the best decisions. And so, um, or it took him a while to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it took so it took him a while to get there. When, um, but but at the end of the day, um, know how to write your governor. Know how to uh, say, look, we're gonna go um, start a petition, and we're gonna go to Nashville on a you know and organize a bus trip up to Nashville to to meet with these folks. So when you come up with that fifteen dollars an hour, like what? What do you think is, I guess, how, how do you get to that possible number? Like, what are some things that probably, you know, is, is there something that we need to cut back on? Is there something we need to add on to to, to get to this $15 an hour? Well, the budgeting is done every year on the state level. 
uh, they can easily put that into the, you know, can easily create change because it's the it's, it would just be laws that would be created mm-hmm. to where everyone in the private sector, private sector of business would have to have minimum wage at $15 an hour. Mm-hmm. So it is nothing that we would uh, necessarily change, you know, when it comes to, to uh, budgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there would be lawmakers would need to come together and vote on it. Mm-hmm. The bill would need to be written and the entire uh, house would have to have majority vote. And so, um, and, and, and there have been bills written and, like I said, they have not come to a majority vote on the issue. Yeah. And one thing that I can say is that um, I was running against an incumbent that's been in this seat for over 28 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's how, that's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, honey, I can tell you. Well, she is um, She is live and still uh, has her sound mind. Mm. Um, but uh, one of the things that I found challenging about um, her, uh, some of her responses to not being able to create change in that area was she would say, well, the majority's Republican and the Democrats are outweighed by Republicans. And that's one of the reasons why we're not able to get that done. Mm. And so for me as a constituent, this is not Dominique the candidate. For me as a constituent, I'm like, come on. (laughs) What are you saying? You can't get it done. I'm like, so. um, so, You start using logic. Come on. You know, I'm feeling, I say, one thing about me, I'm, I'm a businesswoman. And I worked in sales for a long time. And um, and if you have your own business, you're pretty much your own salesperson. Yeah. So as a representative of the state house, I'm I'm representing you. So I'm selling the fact that this needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't. My thing is, um, you know, don't let's not say, you know, it can't be done because we're because we're outnumbered. Mm-hmm. Let's just say your influence is not all the way where it needs to be to get it done. Yeah. Or you don't have the relationships that you need to have in the state house after 28 years to get it done. Yeah. And so um, that's my outlook on it. And that was my promise to my constituents upon being elected. elected. That was one of my promises to focus on minimum wage. Do you think there's a a hard separation sometimes between like, as you were saying, like not me as the candidate, me as the constituent. Like, do you think it's sometimes people have a hard time separating, like being in that political, like blinders and just being a, just being a person, just like understanding what people need. Well, I think that sometimes people can be out of touch, you know, and um, I'm not saying that um, I know everything because I don't. And I'm not saying I know what it's like to be an elected official because I haven't been one yet. But I can say that um, when you're away from the community and you're not in the community, um, it's hard for you to know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if you because um, for me, um, I have family that still live in poverty. I have family that's still um, that's still on government assistance. Mm-hmm. So for me, I can never forget. 
I'll never forget. And the moment that I think I'm gonna forget, my mom, my mama reminds me real quick. Yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> and so I, you know, I think that, um, I think that sometimes we can be out of touch. Mm-hmm. And and for my uh, Republican friends and for my friends that are which quote unquote bougie, you know, sometimes I have to sit down with them and say, well. Help me to understand. Yeah. You know, sometimes um, as people, we need to sit down with and say, instead of getting angry with the other person's opinions, say, help me to understand. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, so I, and I got to have those kind of conversations with people um, on the campaign trail. And I, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I really did. I really, cause there's some, you know, some of those some of those conversations were um, were uh, enlightening, and some of them were okay. We're not getting anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have a lot of those. Let's just agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but but there may be room to influence. Yeah. You know, you never want to leave anything on the table where you can't influence someone. Yeah. Or help them to understand your perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really a lot of what's going on with this the Black Lives Matter movement. And mm. A lot of people are saying, well, people don't understand this and people don't understand that. And people just get angry. Mm-hmm. They get really emotional. And then they don't they don't really people don't people don't listen when they get emotional. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever been in a fight with your spouse, right. you just get emotional. You don't you don't listen to them right. like you just I want me to be heard. I don't care what you have to say. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's what happens with, you know, just regular day individuals like we. We end up people get emotional and they don't they don't really care what the other party has to say. And unfortunately, you know, if a politician does that, then it doesn't just affect them. It affects all the people that they're making decisions for. That's true. Yeah. And I, one thing I, I would love to get from uh, just learning from you, like, I feel like I've already learned a lot from you as far mm-hmm. as politics go. Mm-hmm. But um, I just really think that. People being able to grasp that concept of, you know, my my vote can make some sort of change as far as, um, you know, like I was saying with the the Texas Roadhouse thing, like just just throwing something else out there, you know, just giving. It's like you're giving yourself another option. You're giving yourself another opportunity to get something else out of it, and that's that's something that I hope people, I guess eventually understand is is there you know the as you were talking about earlier the power of a vote correct and that's you know that's that's something i've never really never really thought about honestly till now but um that's that's something that i feel like if people can understand what they could do then that will change what the people that they're actually voting for can do because then that just that changes your whole scenario you know, that, ch- that, that changes, you know, your lifestyle. As you were saying, trying to get that $15 an hour, that can change that. Right. And, you know, whatever, you know, your living status. So mm-hmm. that's. And mentally, because, you know, it causes depression is not just, you know, de- some people are living in depressed states. Yeah. And the reason they're depressed is because they're living in poverty. Mm-hmm. And so it would help with a lot of that. It would help with people being a little bit more encouraged. You know, if you have money in your pocket, you're going to have a little bit more confidence and you're not, you're going to think a little bit more straight. Yeah. And, um, you know, it will reduce crime. 
You know, I think if more people, not only if we created jobs, but if more people had uh, fair wages and live, living wages, yeah. fair living wages. And so um, you can't, you know, the scripture even says a man that doesn't work doesn't eat. Mm. And so if he can't provide for his family, he's going to, if, if you're already in a depressed state, you don't know what can I do to make money? Am I going to mm. rob? Am I going to kill? Am I going to steal? You know, and when you when that happens, that that's when leaders have to think about making decisions. Mm -hmm. That's when that's when you have to think about, OK, we need to bring more jobs. We need these kind of jobs. We need jobs to where it's worth fifteen dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, we need to increase the increase wages, you know. So these are things. And so you have to have someone that represents you that's going to go up there to the state capitol and say, my people need this. Yeah. And make them understand why they need this. Whether it's in education, whether it's in uh, economic development, or health, you know, because healthcare in, in Tennessee, you know, I think that uh, Medicaid expansion is very important. You know, that the the program itself, I feel as if everyone should have um, health care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> everyone, you know, if you're not able to to um to um, pay for health care on your own, we should provide health care. And so, um, you know, people have accrued so much debt and doctor's bills and medical yeah. bills because they don't have health care. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other countries provide health care for their constituents um, and citizens. So, and even education. Other mm. countries have free education. We don't. So let's get down to the nitty gritty here, you know, and, and these are things that people in the Democratic Party are fighting for. Yeah. You know, these are things that that we uh, are fighting for in the Democratic Party. And so I just want people to know that the two parties uh, don't argue because they don't like each other. They argue because uh, they're they're fighting for different issues. Mm. And so, um, you know, one wants to increase taxes, one doesn't. One wants uh, Medicaid expansion, one's like, hey, I work hard and they need to work hard too. We're in America. Mm -hmm. You know, one's like, hey, well, um, you know, I want to, um, when it comes to education, I want um, charter schools and one wants to put funding into more charter schools and one says, hey, I don't want uh, more charter schools. I want more money into public education. Yeah. You know, so these are issues that people um, need to know about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sure. be woke about. Yeah. <laughs> and because... This, you know, because, you know, at the at the end of the day, you have privileged children and you have children who aren't privileged. Yeah. You have. And, and then most privileged children have the best education. Yeah. And so when, when you think about those underprivileged children who um, who uh, go to public school, can't get into um, can't get into a charter school. Um, so you're still creating segregation in education when you do. um Charter school versus public school. Yeah. And some of those public, some public schools are charter. So it's, it's like different levels to it. Yeah, like different tiers. <laughs> yeah. For real. Or different tiers of it. But 
people need to know what's going on. Yeah. And people need to know where their tax dollars are going. That, that's one thing that I've... Education has been a huge thing for me mm-hmm. because even like even being out of school, I felt like I've I got a better grasp of what was going on in school. Like, you know, I, so I have a bachelor's degree in business management. Okay. And I graduated when I graduated college, 20, I think I was 21. Well, just looking back at like how high school is set up and then you know, how people go to college and then like seeing all my friends and what they got degrees in and what they're doing now. It's, I guess, terrifying to know that how our system is currently set up and I I don't really see anything changing. Like COVID has made things change a lot. Like people are doing a lot more online stuff and stuff like that. But as far as like a real systematic change, I, I don't really see one going mm-hmm. on. Uh, so how I got my current job, I make a good wage and it's, it's, I think something that more companies should do is, so I actually went to a program and it, it was only 12 weeks and I learned an entire career field in 12 weeks. Okay. Zero college education for my job. And some people, I mean, they they either went to some technical school or they have a degree in what I do. But I just went for 12 weeks to learn something. And then now, you know, I've, I've got this job. And I think more specialized training should be geared toward that. I Amen. know that we aren't doing enough, um, like, skilled trades people. I know that's a, that's a high demand. I'm, I'm from Alabama. But... That's a high demand back in Alabama. They're actually starting a, a system to where they'll, I think you get paid. I'm not sure. But you uh, you go to like a, a training for a certain amount of months. And companies basically get like first dibs on you. Like they, they see you work and they get to find out how well you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then they can hire you from this program. Right. And Alabama pays for 100% of it. Like, okay. Y- You might get paid from it. I can't remember, but I know they're paying for it because they realize there's a shortage of skilled people. Like people are going to college and getting, you know, bachelor's degrees or art degrees or, you know, just random things. But, you know, we need more plumbers. We need more electricians. We need more construction workers, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I don't think gets reiterated enough in schools. Mm -hmm. I think... Well, I can tell you that um, local schools here took out vocational education. Mm. And we took that out of the school system. And uh, when the merge happened in, in 2013, because we at one point in time we had uh, Memphis City Schools, and then the merge happened in 2013, and then it became Shelby County Schools, where Shelby County acquired Memphis City Schools. Mm. And... When that happened, a lot of changes happened in our high schools to where that uh, transitional education piece, educational piece for like vocational education, where you had auto mechanics, cosmetology, all of those type of uh, skill sets and trainings were t- removed from 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 wow. from uh, from public education, yeah. and so. You know, I do agree that there should be more trade programs um, and that um, that's awesome that Alabama is putting that is that a state level program. Okay, so 
and and so I think Tennessee vocational, our Tennessee, uh, our Tennessee, I think is vocational department of um, vocational jobs where people get jobs, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's I think they do have programs uh, for people and they do pay for education and then. The state of Tennessee also has a program to where you can go to school and get your um, under your associate's degree. Oh, okay. And for free, you can start school maybe at a at a two years college or a vote uh, JUCO school, and uh, that 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 was not available when I was in high school, uh, where you can go to school f- for free for two years um, and obtain um, your associate's degree, and the state pays for that. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. Like some people really just, you know, they they grew up in poverty and they're just like, I have no shot of getting any right. kind of So there are programs. Education. There are programs in Tennessee. So let's not, you know, we do have programs here, but um people like I said, they have to be educated on it. Mm-hmm. And they have to know it's available. And I do commend you for uh, you know, being able to, you know, acquire a skill set and that's something that you can you can publicly talk about and and tell folks that, that you do have hope. Like, you know, you don't have to go to college, you know, to make a, a great living wage. Yeah. Um, so those are, you know, I'm glad we're talking. If you could, you can share that link with me or share the opportunity with me. And I don't mind sharing it with my audience or, you know, letting people know about it. But, um, you know, cause some people might, may want to relocate to Alabama for opportunities. Or, yeah. you know, maybe we could do a pilot program here in Tennessee that's similar to the one in Alabama. You know, those are the type of things. That's why we have to have these type of discussions <laughs> yeah. so that we can um, create change in our communities. Yeah. You know? There's there's just a numerous amount of things that I, I don't think <clears throat> enough conversations come up. You know, I think, um, you know, as we were talking about the Democratic and Republican type uh, bickering that might go back and forth of who's right, who's wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like as long as we're making progress, mm-hmm. making strides forward, that's when we can get more actual, more actual progress is when we're actually, you know, having those kind kind of discussions on what, what should be done. Right. And I don't know, maybe. Well, sometimes, you know, people just have to be open. Like I said, to say, help me, help me understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead of just walking off like, yeah you know so it's sometimes you just have to be open you have to be have an open mindset and willing to to have the conversations and um just like with anything if you're not open if you're not focused on it or if you don't care about it you have to have a care you know about the about civic engagement you have to care about it and that's what i'm trying to influence people to care about it yeah because if you don't you know you care about instagram you care about you know, what's the next album that just came out on Tidal or iTunes. Yeah. So care about uh, subscribing to a political news update or, mm. you know, care, you know, start as small as uh, getting registered to vote or just getting different updates on your phone that you wouldn't necessarily get, you mm. know. Um, you know, start listening to a podcast. <laughs> 
you Very know, true. so, you know, take the time to get educated. And before you say, hey, I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my whole deal in it. Um, people have to want to know. And when you start paying bills and when you start paying your taxes and Uncle Sam, then you care. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you when it hits your pockets, you care. Yeah. And that's why I would say a lot of people who uh, are a different class or different um, class, um, you know, middle class and high class folks, they are a little bit more educated on civic engagement Mm. because they have those assets and they have debt acquired and they have to uh, know where their money is going. Mm -hmm. And so they care. And so, and some people um, don't necessarily care because they're like, they're over it. You know, mm. they've been in the struggle so long that they, you know, living in poverty so long that they're like, my mama lived in poverty. My grandma lived in poverty. What's going to change? Yeah. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, that is a little weird. because it, You would think the people who are in the worst situation mm-hmm. would be more involved, you right? I think so. Because they, they need more change. Like mm-hmm. if you're doing well. Mm-hmm. You don't need as much change. But, but that's kind of what I was talking about with the depressed state. Mm. When you're living in depression and you're in a depressed state, it's hard for you to care. Yeah. You're not thinking about living. Like yeah. you and I say, I'm living. Mm-hmm. You know, how? but they're living, they're thinking about surviving. Yeah, those are two different things. And they're thinking about how I'm going to make ends meet. I don't have time to go vote because I got to think about how I'm going to get my lights pay Mm. or keep my lights on or um you know um my boyfriend just got shot (laughs) who cares you know Mm. i don't have the money to so when you talk about um you also have to talk about uh, economic development and and socioeconomic development and you have to talk about um you know educating people on um how to uh, create uh, wealth in their families mm-hmm. and black power and that sort of thing. So that was another thing that I was, uh, that was a part of my movement and mission is to change the minds of, of people that live in my district. Because mm-hmm. my district was South Memphis, North Memphis, Westwood, and uh, Frazier. Okay. Not only that, but downtown and, um, was downtown in Whitehaven. And majority of those areas are high poverty areas. The only part the only area in my district that's not high poverty would be downtown. Okay. Okay. So with that being said, my focus as a leader was was to and is to change the minds of of my constituents mm-hmm. and for them to care about finance, for them to care about uh, black black power mm-hmm. and um, economic development and giving back and putting money and um, business back into uh, the community um, and knowing the power of a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, ensuring that, and and people don't know this, but the entire time that I was running for office, I was studying and um, preparing to become a life and health insurance agent. And so now I'm a health and life insurance producer as of like last week. And, um, you know, I was studying, taking tests and preparing for that. And, and if people, more people knew 
the power of finance and people knew um, how to um, make their money work for them in our communities, then uh, we wouldn't necessarily have a lot of people in in some of the situations because yeah. they're not educated on, okay, if Jimmy kills Jimmy, if Jimmy kills Joe on the block and we have life insurance, then we wouldn't be so upset or ang- some of that anger wouldn't be there. Some yeah. of that depression wouldn't be there because it's, it's, um, it's, it's just educating our communities yeah. and educating them on, on, on how to come out of poverty. And yeah. so they have to be willing to, to learn and to uh, get educated. So in, in, and Memphis is a high poverty city. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but it's a highly populated African American city, and so we have a lot of people um, living in poverty that are African Americans. And with that being said, um, they're the ones who need to be the most civically engaged. Mm-hmm. And but but they're not because they've lost hope. Yeah. So how did you get the district? Is that your choice? Well, um, districts are pretty much, you know, I have to run for a district that I live in. Oh, okay. And so I live in District 86. Okay. And um, and so, yeah, so I ran for District 86 because I live in District 86, and I was not going to move. I, I <laughs> Just to get a different district. Just to get a different <laughs> district. <laughs> and not only that, but... Um, but I like District 86. I've been downtown as a downtown resident now for almost seven years. Mm. Um, and I grew up in North Memphis. So the district was perfect for me because mm. I knew it's my stumping ground. Yeah, the people know you. The people know me, yeah. So I just, um, District 86, man, um, I really, I canvassed, man. It was, it was, I didn't even know the district was that large mm-hmm. and I didn't know it was you know even Millington oh my god how can I forget about Millington <laughs> but yeah hey folks over in Millington but Millington is a high Republican area oh, okay. and um and majority of that district are you know consist of Republicans mm. but uh that municipality of folks are good folks mm-hmm. um but you know that's probably why I didn't mention them because it's not one of the highest poverty areas in my in my um, district. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, it's it's a huge district, and yeah. I walked and canvassed and put up signs all throughout those areas, mm-hmm. and um, I met a lot of people on the campaign trail. And uh, if anybody um, familiar with those areas like Westwood, South Memphis, off of South Parkway, you've got a Riverside Drive all the way out to South Memphis. Then you've got um, Danny Thomas that runs all the way out to Thomas and to Millington, and then the North Haven Frazier area. So um, I'm super excited to see new development in those areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that was a part of my platform as well is um, small business expansion and new development um, because I'm really big on on developing the city. And uh, 
They do, the city of Memphis does have a 3.0 development plan that they're working on and rolling out. And I was just happy to see that the city had a plan. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, that plan is looks like it's a it's a good plan, but there's going to be a lot of gentrification in different areas. Yeah, and um, that's something I thought was going to happen huge in Memphis right. because I feel like the city is growing mm-hmm. uh, exponentially, mm-hmm. and I was like. These high poverty areas are probably going to get turned over mm-hmm. pretty quickly, right? And I don't, unless somebody does something about it, I don't think anything's going to stop it. Well, gentrification is something that is inevitable. Yes, that's the word. Yes, it's inevitable. Okay, it's going to happen. We just have to, uh, and there are going to be casualties, but if we can save the ones that we can save and ensure, like I said, people are educated on finance and that um, Auntie Lily and Grandma uh, Teresa <laughs> don't li- lose their homes that yeah. they've been at for the last 40, 50 years, um, then... And educate them on how to keep their homes and keep up with the Joneses, you yeah. know. Then um, I think we can we'll, we'll be okay. Yeah. But if we don't, um, like I say, if we don't educate our folks on uh, what's coming, you have to prepare for it because yeah. it's coming. And it's not like they don't tell you we have these kind of things going on, you know, and people want to see change. Like, so if you create change, there are going to be some people that are upset about it. Mm. And there's going to be some people who, who want it to happen, Mm. but we definitely don't want our city to go in a deficit to where these small businesses are, or people are kicked out of the neighborhood as you know, while it's happening, you know? And so uh, that's my only thing I would like for people to, um, to know if if it's coming, them to be prepared for it and how to how to maneuver it and what to do. So, how do you think is the biggest way that you can educate people more on either you know very specific issues or just the broad spectrum of politics and and um, just their their rights within a city and how they can get things done? Um, I think that. How we educate people, we have to we have to get influencers involved. Mm. Period. We have to get people involved uh, to influence people. Do we have like meetings? We do have like, town like hall ta- meetings. Like town meetings. We yeah. have town hall meetings. People, I mean, you can go to city hall meetings and county commission meetings for free. Mm-hmm. You, they're public. They're on the website. The entire agenda about where your money is being spent is on the website. The same thing on the state level. You can see where the money is being spent. So, like I said, people have to care. Yeah, yeah. You have to care. And so, um, now, there are a lot of new leaders that that are on social media more. And there's a lot more engagement from uh, younger leaders that are putting the word out about things, Mm -hmm. which I I very much so commend them. You know, you have the Michael and Esther, uh, Michael and Esther Thomas or... Uh, J.B. Smiley, you know, those are new uh, city councilwomen and city councilmen here locally that actually uh, 
you know, use social media as a tool and um, ensure that people in their network and people in their base know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people have to know. They yeah. have to want to get engaged. They have to say, "Hey, let me follow this person on Instagram." Yeah. Hey, instead of let me instead of let me uh, let me go sh- let me go smoke hookah. Mm. You know, you know, people my age, um, and I'm 32 by the way. Um, in my g- social group and um, age group of millennials, um, a lot of them are disconnected, mm. and a lot of them have other things that they care about. Yeah. Or or prioritize, I would say. Yeah, that's a good word. They prioritize things differently. And um until something happens and then they're like okay, I need to I need to care about this. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like until I become a uh, homeowner mm. or uh, a parent, you know, and um, a parent that cares, mm. <laughs> not just a parent, yeah, yeah. a parent that cares. Um, that life changing moment, like when you become and a real tax paying citizen, mm-hmm. is when folks start to care. Yeah, and to me, that's too long. Yeah. Their their as you said priorities their mind mm. their mindset just completely changes right yeah. right so is there um, so you were talking about the you know we have town meetings and stuff like that uh, then you start mentioning influencers so is you know Instagram has their influencers mm-hmm. you know people who are you know showing off their uh, gear and everything they have from a certain company do you have anything like that that you try to do with I don't know, any kind of like popular people in the Memphis area where you as a candidate. Now, you don't have to be manipulating people by being like, oh, look at me. I'm friends with so-and-so. You should vote for me. Nothing like that. But building relationships with people and literally just trying to, as you said, like just trying to educate people Mm -hmm. and you end up like speaking to these people and they're like, oh, I like her. Mm -hmm. Let me... Tell other people how I like her. And then now, boom, everybody, you know, they've developed this. You've developed a network just because you talked to one person. That person likes you. And now all these other people are going to be geared to look for you. So is is that something that you've, you know, you looked into? Is that something that's kind of looked down upon? I don't know. but Well, I think that, you know, just like your parents telling you you are who you hang around yeah or you are what you attract you know or what you know you are what you are you you know you attract um and so or something like that i'm not sure if i said it the right way (laughs) i know what you mean yeah but uh (laughs) but yeah so my thing is this you have to um i think that um for me getting the word out and for me um Everybody knows Dominique Frost as the girl that's in politics Mm -hmm. or the girl that's in the community. She does community work. And so um, and so I have people who want to 
connect with me because they want to be more civically engaged. Mm. They'll just DM me or ask me a, a random question or say, girl, let's do lunch, you know, and I'm open and willing to, to meet with people and talk to them about, um, my thing, give them my thoughts on things. And I will even direct them because, you know, my business is consulting. Yeah. So um, if they need help on uh, business expansion, I know what part of Memphis that they need to, you know, what department they need to, I need to re- refer them to. Yeah. Um, if they need support in a different area, I know who, I'm kind of the go-to person. Yeah. And I enjoy being that person. You know, um, I've helped a lot of my friends um, that are starting up new businesses and tell them, you know, give them kind of direction on what to do. Um, And I don't mind sharing that knowledge. Um, And some people don't share share information. (laughs) You know, they want you to work hard for information. And um, I think that as leaders and and people and, and civic advocates and people that work for the community, if this is your purpose, mm-hmm. then you should want to put that information out there. Yeah. And you should want people to know about it. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's my mission for the next couple of years um, is to stay visible, to stay connected, and to still continue doing my community work. Because if I stop and if I quit, then nothing will change. Yeah. And I know that this is my purpose is to continue. Whether... Whether I'm here locally or whether I'm away, I'm always talking about it. So mm. people know th- this is something that she cares about. So it's all in all, just to wrap up that question, I would say people have to care. And the people that are that we have elected has have to ensure this information is put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I want to one department that I would like to hold accountable would be our election commission mm-hmm. and our state uh, our state uh, election commission. Because for me, in my opinion, I feel as if they should be responsible for getting the word out about voting. They should be responsible for uh, every every citizen and every taxpaying citizen to receive something in their mailbox about where to go vote, mm-hmm. about um, getting registered to vote if they haven't got registered to vote, and upcoming elections. Mm-hmm. So people can say, and it's a lot of people who say, oh, is voting going on right now? <laughs> Why? Because they don't know what's going on and we haven't notified them. We haven't went to their doors. We haven't sent direct mail pieces. We have enough tax dollars to send out direct mail to every person that lives in Shelby County. And we don't do that. And that's not mandated by law to do. And so that's a part of voter suppression. If you look, if if you ask me, is why why our tax dollars ain't being spent. You you call, you send tax dollars out when you want tags, mm. when it's time to renew tags yeah. for every every person that that has um a vehicle registered, or you know, or um you know, we find a way to send out notifications for those kind of kind of things mm-hmm. um, but we don't find uh, money in the budget to send out notifications about getting registered to vote and when there's an election coming up mm-hmm. for me I feel like something needs to be done about that yeah and um, the election commission could do better 
what are your your biggest points as far as things that you that you know? Hey, when Candace gets elected, these are the things I would like to change. Uh, I don't know if you got a top three or or a top one, whatever. Well, um, like I said, the the number one thing would be minimum wage. The second thing would be, um, I want to. Did I just call you Candace? Oh, you said Candace, but I was thinking you were talking like third person or something. I, 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 I was like, okay, what's well, he Candace? Okay. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, so when when I get elected or when when I you know, these are the issues that I would like to focus on would be um Medicaid expansion, um, criminal justice reform. That's a huge one for me because okay. I, I do have uh people that are close to me that are incarcerated mm-hmm. and I I really think that there needs to be some some laws change when it comes to incarceration for nonviolent crimes. Mm. And, um, you know, this country is built off the American dollar and uh, it's a huge percentage of African-American men that are in jail, incarcerated right now. And um, for nonviolent crimes yeah. that uh, and. And those particular laws have been changed over the years. Yeah. And they're still incarcerated for those things and the laws have been changed. And so, um, so when you talk about and even the current laws when it comes to I think that the uh the t- the sentencing, the time, you know, the time the the laws and the sentencing by law should be reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's people who commit murders and kill people, they get sentences way less. Than men who are are convicted drug dealers. That's crazy. And to me, <laughs> that that's absurd. And yeah. the only reason that the house or people have you know changed some of the laws when it comes to nonviolent drug crimes is because the opioid uh, uh, epidemic is mm. touching their folks. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying just their folks like Caucasians, but mm. that's the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. And so since their communities are being affected by it, then it's like, oh, it's time to change the law. Mm. But when our communities were being affected by it for years, and I'm not saying that uh uh selling selling drugs is a is a good thing but what i'm saying is that let's be fair about this yeah. you know let's not make a sentencing based off of money yeah. because the truth of the matter of fact is they're making too much money yeah. so they need to be put away justice is about fairness yeah justice is about fairness and so and a lot of these men were providers they provide and so you think about that the income that's taken away from their families when they get locked up, that changes the entire family, the dynamics of the family and how it affects them. That's when the depression happens again. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're right, but what I'm saying, let's be fair about the lawmaking. Yeah. I mean, that's that's something that blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I had on uh, Adam McClellan, and I had to actually explain to him this story. Do you remember that cop that walked into that guy's um, apartment and she said she thought it was her apartment, and she shot him. Mm-hmm. That that blew my mind mm-hmm. that she didn't get life in prison for that because mm-hmm. that's murder. Yeah. Last time I checked, <laughs> <laughs> like you can't just go into somebody's house and be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I thought that was my place," and then like murder them. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> that loony. Absolutely, blo- like nothing. A lawyer, attorney. Or her should they would be able to say mm-hmm. should be able to change 
her getting life in prison mm-hmm. because unless she was literally crazy, mm-hmm. but she wasn't. She was a cop that just got off duty and was coming home and and murdered this guy. So that that right there blows my mind on wow. how the justice system works. Welcome to America. <laughs> and when you have people and then, you know, I, that's all I can say is, you know, America is built off of a lot of injustices mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's built, um, you know, it's 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 not fair the way that, that our government has been built over the years. And yeah. you have a you have a huge group of folks that are trying to create change so that we do have a voice mm-hmm. and so that these type of things are not happening and that laws and law is power, yes. believe it or not. Yeah. If you're not educated on the law, that's your fault. Yeah. And you don't have to be an attorney to be educated on the law. Yeah. You know, you can read the law. You can study the law. And that's the thing. As a state representative, I don't have to be an attorney to be your representative. I just need to be educated enough to know the law, know the law and know what parts of the law need to be changed to help my community. Mm-hmm. And so, and um, and have you a team that's going to be ready to to research and study and, and say, hey, how can we get this done? We need yeah. to write a bill for this, or we need to adjust this particular bill to to make this happen. Yeah. And so, um, that's uh, and somebody who cares enough to do that, to mm-hmm. do the work to get that done. And so, a lot of things. Um, and that's why you have to vote, folks. You have to go vote. <laughs> and you have to pick the right candidates that are willing to do that work. And yeah. so um, those are things, you know, we talk about criminal justice reform. You talk about health care expansion. You talk about uh, minimum wage. Uh, and I also want to implement a program for, um, I want to implement a program for, um, for business owners and small business expansion and uh, to where we can educate our business owners on how to create uh, black power in our communities. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only, um, but all business owners, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And uh, because I feel as if if we keep business in the communities and I don't know if you know this, but Orange Mound used to be, was one of the top uh, communities in in uh, in Tennessee. So somebody explained to me Orange Mound, but could you re-explain to me Orange Mound? Well, it's one of the first African American wealthy communities okay. that was ever created in in uh, Memphis, and mm-hmm. it was one of the first uh, communities. You know, it has a lot of history where predominant African American folks lived in Orange Mound. It's home, a certain location. Uh huh. In Memphis. And uh, now it's a high poverty area in Memphis, you know, and um, and it just says a lot about the history and Mm. how things have completely changed from from years of of our ancestors working hard to um, to be independent and have their own properties and have their own businesses. It was a very predominant area. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a lot of folks who. uh, who uh, support Orange Mount area and and wants to see it back to its current, you know, its its previous state. Yeah. And um, and I support you know any kind of pro- programs or projects that that people implement in Orange Mount. Mm-hmm. And so um, because that's pretty much one of the it's the heart of the city, mm-hmm. and it's um, 
It's it's near University of Memphis. Okay. And it's not too far from the Greyhound station. Gotcha. So um so it's 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 um and it's still highly populated African American area, but it's not a high it's not a high, it's it's a high poverty area. Mm. And so that's and I don't know if people are familiar with Merrill's High School, but Merrill's High School sits in Orange Mound. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how how do you think that changes? Like what are what are some steps? Well, we have to put, um, we have to start investing in our communities. And yeah. I know it's a lot of people in real estate and development that are putting money into Orange Mound. Um, you know, it needs f- grocery stores and um, census. We can start with the census. Mm-hmm. We can start with people taking their census every 10 years. And Tennessee has a very low census rate. That's kind of weird. Like that's a that's a weird thing to not. <laughs> uh, yeah, in. Memphis has a very Memphis has a Memphis has a very low participation rate for census, hmm. and we need a high participation rate in order for us to get state dollars and federal dollars to be put into our into our low poverty areas. Oh, is it like higher population, more money? Right. More population, (laughs) more money. That's crazy. And so if Cordova, everybody in Cordova does their census, if everybody in Arlington does their census, we all federal dollars are not going to go to the areas that need it. It's going to go to the areas where people are doing their census. They can get a new school. That's crazy. They can get a new uh, library. They can get a new community center, a new pool. Hey, whatever you need, because the, because we know that the population size is growing in, in certain areas. That's wild. So so people, like I said, that goes back to civic engagement. Yeah. And it goes back to knowing how to um, create change. Mm. And uh, a five-minute census in, census survey could help your child get a better school. Mm. It could help your um, you have a better funded uh, public library mm-hmm. and um, better resources for the community. Yeah, and uh, people people don't know that or care to and it only comes around every 10 years it's not like it (laughs) yeah yeah. it's not like it comes around uh every year you know where hey i'll get it done no you'll be i'll be 40 by the time i get ready to do another census survey yeah and so by that time will i still be a memphis constituent if things don't change here you have to think about that yeah and it's like it's a lot of people who uh, are are um, my colleagues who have left Memphis having great, great careers. Mm. And the reason that they left Memphis is because they feel like there's no opportunities and Memphis is not going to change. Yeah. And so, so my goal is to, to encourage them and try to influence them to stay. But if you get a better job away, that's, and, and you create better experiences away, then you're not gonna come back. Yeah. Uh, so, um, that's just where it is. <laughs> you know, Memphis has. Uh, we have a lot of uh, grit and grind, mm-hmm. and everyone says that Memphis has a lot of potential, which we do. But um, it's gonna take people to care. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is your next steps? Where do you, Where are you going? 
Well, Dominique Frost, um, like I said, I'm a, I'm right now I'm a life and health insurance producer, and um, I have kind of pretty much put all of my um, business affairs, other business affairs, my political consulting, my business consulting, um, all of those skill sets and um, business, everything I've done in my previous business of defrosting company. I'm just putting it in a bag and saying, hey, let it go. <laughs> COVID-19 has really opened my eyes as an entrepreneur mm. and um, made me step into a new trade, and that's insurance. Yeah. And so, Dominique, I'm the Dominique Frost, the civic advocate mm -hmm. and insurance agent. And so if you need health insurance, if you need life insurance, if you want to be um, – if you care about your health and your wealth, which those are things that you should care about, then you can definitely reach out to me. I would not um, have a problem with getting you insured and getting a policy drawn up for you that's going to help change your life. So that's what's next for me. Okay. Um, I'm starting a new business and stepping into a new trade. And um, I am ready for new beginnings. And I can't wait for what God has in store for me. Um, so that's what I plan on doing. I do that every day. I go into the office. I work hard and I'm just really thankful for the people that God has put around me because, um, I prayed for, for, for new people mm -hmm. and for, for people that could actually, um, assist me with my growth. Yeah. And these these group of folks are very professional and they're, they want to see me win. Was this your team defrost? I saw. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they want to see me win. And so, um, I, I appreciate everyone that has helped me along the way because now for so long, I've helped every, a lot of people build their brand and for, I've helped other, uh, business owners grow their businesses. And now I'm really saying, okay, you've done that for a long time, Dominique. S stop, let it go, mm. focus on you. So yeah. all of my uh, skill sets and every skill that I've acquired over the years, I'm able to put into my business as far as marketing and communications. I'm just going to dive into it and go hard. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I try to do with my, my business as Romero Records. Like I... I bring on all these different kinds of people, and then I hope that eventually, you know, I'm, I'm making all these great connections. Mm -hmm. And so somebody's like, man, I wish I knew somebody who did this. Then I would be able to just, oh, yeah, I, I talked to them for two hours on a podcast. I, I know this person. Let me right. let me just give you their number. So right. it's it's something that, you know, you've, you've been working with all these people for so long, mm -hmm. and you hope those connections, those relationships, they just pay off. And right. you're, you're able to just get done what you need done. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, you focused on everybody else now and you're like, time for me to focus on me Amen. and you've built all these relationships to help it, you know, a smoother transition to whatever you need to get done. So I, right. I really hope that works out for you because I, I've been in a boat. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. Well, about it that. will work out. Um, I am really excited about it and, um, it's, um, it's, it's something that I've wanted to do for a while. But the thought of me letting go of everything and starting over something new is what really prevented me from doing it. Yeah. But when COVID hit, like I said, um, in April, it was kind of like, okay, Dominique, you need an essential trade. Mm. And so, and you don't want to um, 
you and if I do plan on running again, um, the I know that I'm gonna need more money. Yeah. And so my I have to level up. I have to boss up. I have to I have to say, look, I want my income to be twenty grand a month. Okay. Mm. How do I get my income to that level? Okay, insurance is gonna get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so will I be able to do that making twenty dollars an hour? No. Yeah. So and I'm the type of person where I don't like to depend on anyone. Mm-hmm. So and when you're running for office, you have to call. You have to beg people for money to mm-hmm. donate to your campaign. And so uh, you're on the phone every day calling. You're sending messages, emails, asking someone. Your team is required to help you fundraise. Now, uh, prime example, you have Bloomberg. You have Trump. These are millionaires. Yeah. They ran for billionaires <laughs> who ran for office. Yeah. So anybody who knows that when you ran for office, you have to have a lot of money or a network of people yeah. who are willing to give you money. And so I want to say... I'm very proud of myself and my team because we did raise a lot of money. We raised close to 20 grand. That's good. And we kicked off my campaign in April, and the election was in August. Mm. So we raised that amount in that allotted, uh, in, in that short time frame. But in order for me to have won this race, I would have needed 40 grand. Mm. So, so when you look at the dynamics of my race and when you go back and measure what things could have been done differently for me, um, I think that um, fundraising could have been better. And I think that if I had had more financial support, then I could have done more marketing mm-hmm. to, where, to get the word out. Okay. And so, and not only that, I was running against a 28-year incumbent that has a base vote, a voting base and um and she has a strong voting base and yeah. and people actually voted for her well i wouldn't say like they you know she's a bad candidate or anything like she's a bad person but she's 91 years old and <laughs> that's literally yeah she's 91 oh my and God. She, yeah but that's the that's thing crazy. is she she has <laughs> she has <laughs> she has a sound mind but it's time it was time <laughs> And um, I'm sorry, but that is my yeah. It's time, and and I had nothing against her at all. Mm. Um, I actually think she's the sweetest lady in the world. She's nice, but and I actually went to her and had uh, lunch with her before mm. I got into the race. People don't know this, so um, I. I, I thought that was the noble thing to do mm-hmm. was to go to her and say, you know, could you support me? Yeah. And because I had heard from my friends that are in the Democratic Party that she was going to retire mm. and she had been talking about retirement. And so um, at the last minute, she decided not to retire. <laughs> Two weeks That's before wild. the deadline to file the petition, she filed the petition and she decided to run. Mm. I, and I had already filed my petition and submitted my petition to run. So you you had set it up. You thought I, it was perfect. I was it was set up for me to run. Oh my and you God. cannot you cannot tell me there were so many people that were against me running. <sighs> there were so many people behind the scenes working against me. There were other elected officials that you think would have supported me publicly, yeah. but did not. They chose to. They chose not to get into it, mm-hmm. and that that for me that was 
that was a challenge for me to to understand. Mm-hmm. And if you know that your city needs change, if you know that your community needs new leadership, I'm not saying that she has done any that her leadership has been poor, mm-hmm. but I can say that District 86 deserves better representation. Yeah. And better represent what does better representation look like? It looks like someone who is mobile enough to to get the job done, mm-hmm. someone who is accessible, someone who is um um able to um relate to the younger demographic of voters and possibly influence them to to go to go vote Hmm. um someone who's relatable to the current changes that's going on yeah i mean nowadays a a five (laughs) ten year gap in age is a drastic difference exactly so um i don't even think biden is 91 no no right so (laughs) so so i'm um i was just really at awe and a lot of people did not know that that would have. That was just was like, you've got this girl. Yeah. And I, you know, I knew it was going to be a tough race because of her voting base. Mm-hmm. But I just knew that people were going to vote for change. Yeah. And they did not. That's and majority of those folks that, um, that uh, did vote, they were her base. They were older folks. Mm. They were her base. And, you know, that's probably the people who were actually out voting. You know, mm-hmm. the, I think a vast majority of young people, is mm-hmm. they're probably the ones doing the protesting. As right. you said, they're the ones that probably didn't vote. Mm-hmm. So it's, as you said, she probably got all the votes from the people who were, you know, older and right. they're the, they're the and, educated ones. Right. I think, you know, and you know, when, you, when we looked at the numbers, we also saw where she, um, it was a huge amount of folks in my district that voted absentee. Mm. And um, I believe some kind of way her team sent out the vote. The abs- she got the absentee ballot request form to a large group of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, by law, that's a felony. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to fight that. Yeah. You know, it, it was, a, you know, she's been in the game long enough to know how to maneuver and get things done. Mm-hmm. And so um, I commend her on her political um, tactics and um, I'm just going to prepare for next time. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully next time she'll, she, her and I can sit down and say, Hey, <laughs> cause I did call her after she won and, and congratulated her on her victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, hopefully between now and 2022, her and I can sit down and say, Hey, Barb, you know, are you actually retired? Are you going to actually <laughs> retire this time? <laughs> and, um, and hopefully she'll say, um, you know, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to retire. Hopefully we can do some work together in the community. I can invite her out. You know, we can build some rapport um, and she can possibly endorse me. But um, I, you know, I'm not expecting anything, <laughs> but I, those are just high hopes. Those are very high hopes. But, um, you know, this has been a great interview and um, I just really I just have a desire to, to serve. I do. I really do. Awesome. Well, tell everybody how they can how they can contact you. Uh, I know you have an Instagram, so tell people that emails, okay. whatever, whatever you got. Okay, so um, you can look me up on Instagram at Dominique Y Frost, and that's at Dominique Y Frost. I'm also on 
Um, I have my own website, so you can go to BoatDominiqueFrost.com. You can also visit my Facebook and Twitter page. It's BoatTN. No, Boat. Not Boat Dominic. It's not BoatTN. It's Frost for TN House. So Frost for the number four and then TN House. Um, and again, I love, uh, thank you for inviting me out and thank you for inviting me to the show. Absolutely. Um, go vote, <laughs> get civically engaged, uh, follow me, follow a local, uh, a local city councilman, you know, go to your local government website, uh, just get, get educated about voting and, um, know what civic engagement is and know the power of a vote and that's it, you know? And um, just know that Dominique cares. Defrost cares about you. And I'm going to always care about my community, no matter what. I'm going to always have my hands into community work. Awesome. Well, yeah, it was uh, it was great having you on. And, oh, do you have anybody else that you that you think would be great to have on? Well, like I said, uh, it just depends on uh, what kind of show you want. I mean, it's a lot of anybody. Awesome. We can, we well, can I can talk give about you a whole offline. list. Yeah. I can give you a whole <laughs> list of folks that I think will be great for the show, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, people that um, have insight on Memphis politics. And uh, I could, you know, it's a lot of folks, J.B. Smalley, uh, Michael and Esther Thomas. You've got, um, you've got Donna, Donna White, you know, uh, she's, she's an ex, she's an ex rapper slash uh, uh, body slayer. Okay. <laughs> so, she, or skin slayer, not body slayer. She does, um, she does all the, um, all the skin, anything that you need to get done with your skin and, hmm. you know, make yourself look, look pretty. And she does facials. She does waxes. She does all, oh, she has, she even has her own skin line. Nice. And so it's a lot of different people, um, that I can recommend to you cool. that, that are in my network because, um, half of those folks that, um, that made donations to my campaign were small business owners. Awesome. Okay. Great. Well, it was great having you on and uh, thank for everybody tuning in and see you next time. See you next time. What a message. Dominique makes a good point. I doubt all the protesters out there have voted on the issues they're protesting. How can we expect change if we don't take action and ask our leaders face to face what can be done about our personal dilemmas? You've given me a lot to think about, Dominique. Thank you for tuning into the podcast, and I hope you learned a lot from this episode. Stay tuned in on YouTube to see what's going on, and if you're on the road and just want to listen, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and more. Until next time, let's keep it rolling.